Welcome to Family Business with Pradeep Sangha. I'm your host, and I'm also a family business owner and a family enterprise advisor. And this show is for anybody who is in a family business or a professional who works with family businesses and helps them succeed. So stay tuned and join us on this journey. So I am always excited to have a good friend and guest on our podcast. Um, Parmjeet is a friend of mine. He is a great person, a great human being, someone I I come to for advice and wisdom. And uh, I'm I'm very very appreciative to have you on the show here, Parmjeet. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you, Pradeep, and the feeling and the sentiments are the same. Thank you for having me, and I think you set me up with all this lofty introduction. So <laughs> I hope the conversation is going to be useful. Well, it's it's, it's well-deserved because every time um, I, I was talking to someone on my marketing team a couple of weeks ago, and he made a comment. He said, you know what is really interesting? He said, all the episodes with Parmjeet seem to have some really good feedback and uptake. And it tells me that the subjects that we talk about, the content that you provide and the wisdom that you provide is actually hitting home for individuals. So that's why I wanted to have you on here again. And in particular, we talked about a topic that I think the listeners are going to have a very, very strong interest in. But before we dive into it, can you give us, for those who don't know you, haven't seen you before, can you give us a 60 second, you can say introduction to yourself and what you do? Uh, so my name is Paramjit Singh, as Pradeep has said, I am, I teach at McMaster University, I have a PhD in psychology. I practically, uh, teach a skill to do well, to live well and be well. So it's, it's a large plethora of skill set, and largely they are based on my own personal experience and personal practice. And I do executive training, coaching, small groups, big groups, individuals. Mm, great. And so the topic that I wanted to talk about today was based on a conversation that you and I had. It was a very intimate conversation. And you said something that struck me. And I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase here because it's not the exact wording, but you said something that, to the tone of, you know, everybody has dysfunction. Every family has dysfunction, but it's the environment that has such a significant impact. And I want to dive into that for a number of reasons. A, because I think we can all relate to it. B, because we have um, uh, our audience is predominantly business owners and entrepreneurs, and they are either in a family business or they have a family themselves. A lot of our listeners are family-oriented businessmen, and whether they're working in a, in a family business or their they're sole owner, family has a big impact on that. And so does dysfunction. We see this all the time, especially in family businesses, is there's a lot of dysfunction there. But the environment, that element, I'd love for you to kind of explain that, talk to that, um, because I don't, and here's my take on it. When you said that to me, it was such, uh, it hit home for me because I'm like, yeah, if you extract yourself, we have dysfunction, but if you extract yourself from that environment, maybe you have a chance of changing or reducing that dysfunction. That's what you talked about was the amplification of the dysfunction. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw it over to you because I found it fascinating. Yes, th- thank you so much. I-, I think it's a we can all 
agree to that part or some to some extent at least and to be human to have dysfunctions and some of those dysfunctions can be social genetic biological educational parenting they come in various shapes and forms and but the more interesting part is that though we all have some sort of you know uh, those kind of dysfunctions those kind of kinks uh, it is the environment in which those dysfunctions function that makes a big difference. So if you have a positively reinforced environment, which means that it continues to amplify the dysfunction, then those dysfunctions become very entrenched in the behavior. And then if it, it continues for a long period of time, then they become a kind of a, a part and parcel of your life. However, if the same dysfunction or similar dysfunctions are placed in a in a context or social context or a family context where the, the behavior is very supportive, that there's not there's no gaslighting happening in that context. And you will notice that the same dysfunction will begin to deflate or to become less relevant over the period of time. And that's true for individuals working in family businesses. That's true for individuals living in families. We know from research studies that, for example, kids who grew up in adverse circumstances, when they meet with a positively reinforced environment where they are not gaslighted, they ended up being very fully functioning uh, human beings. However, on the same way, somebody who has been involved in a kind of environment which is not very conducive to their development, they don't do well or they don't end up being a good human being in the terms of what they do. So environment makes a big difference in the context. And going back to your question, then that does it mean that if you extract yourself out of an environment which is toxic or dysfunctional, does it give you a new lease of life? And I think it can be argued, yes. And you can do it two ways. You can run out of the context, which means you can run out of the family. Or you can actually make a more structured approach where you can deliberately, you know, withdraw from that context on a daily basis to to meet yourself, to to get in touch with yourself. I tend to think the first, the former is very difficult. It's not easier to run from families, especially your biological families. They they run after you. Even if you don't want to be allowed them, they, they will they will be around in one shape and form. Even if you're physically separated, they will be around. So another more important thing is that what can you do in a bigger picture? Can you do something which can help you extract from that social context so you can maintain your sanity and continue to function in an environment which may be toxic. And so it is not going to be easy, but it is still doable. It's actually a better option than actually running away from the family or breaking a family business. Mm, interesting. And this is important for everybody out there because we see this with everybody that we work with, that the family situation is not ideal. And I, I shouldn't say ideal. When the family situation, there's conflict, right? There's there's big challenges and issues. The business struggles as a result of that as well. And most of us, you know, all of us can say that if our family life is not good, we don't feel we don't feel great as human beings. And that's ultimately it. When we have a stronger family unit, and I'm going to say functionality, it enables our business to be a lot more successful. So a lot of people try to avoid the family issues. I see this a lot, the avoidance technique, right? Um, if, if we don't see it, we don't hear it, we don't know, and we don't see it exist. But I've also seen a lot of people and talked to a lot of individuals who have 
removed themselves and then said, hey, Pradeep, I didn't realize how bad the situation was. I didn't realize how dysfunctional it was. I didn't realize that I was contributing to the dysfunction as well. And when they removed themselves and they extracted themselves, whether it was completely or partially, they were able to see things from a different perspective. It was, they were just, they were just, how would I say, they had more clarity based on their explanation. You talked about something there that I think is very important. And for, for people who don't understand or haven't come across the term gaslighting, can you please explain what that means? Which means that, uh, you know, when you are in a toxic work environment or family environment, because it can happen, we bring our dysfunctions into the context we play. If it is a family business, we do that. Because at the end of the day, you know, they say, you will give whatever you have. You know, wherever you are, there you are. So if I am dysfunctional and if I have some tendencies, if I am uh, in some way leaning towards certain things, I will bring to the table, I will... I will use that as a vantage point to negotiate, communicate, work with people. And to me, that's a sort of a gaslighting because I'm blind to my own dysfunctions. We often say that it's your fault. And usually the the, the more important thing is that it may not be others' fault. It's actually merely shared fault because we we bounce off each other. We and that leads to gaslighting, where uh, the person who is being wronged is often accused of feeling that way. And because uh, the other person either does not have a good self-awareness, or even if they have, that awareness is very narcissistic, which means that they prioritize their own feeling over the feeling of other people. So that can lead to gaslighting, and gaslighting has a very negative connotation for our physical and mental health and well-being. And Obviously, for the social context you are, whether it's a family environment, I mean, family environment means that you are typically in a, in a home environment or in a, in a more business-related environment because family business would also will fit into the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So it's where the victim is often accused of feeling the way they feel because the other person does not acknowledge the contribution they are making to the way they are feeling. Yeah. And I think that's so, so important because many people, I know I've felt this way and I'm sure there's been instances where perhaps I've made other people feel this that way as well. But I see a lot of people feeling like they are going crazy because their reality is challenged. And what I mean by that is they're, they're being gaslighted. There's people, there's a whole circle, whether it's a family or business environment, where they're kind of the one or everybody's saying, no, you, everything that you're talking about is false. That didn't happen or it didn't happen that way or your belief systems are incorrect. And it could be that perhaps the, uh, and, and I'm just using extreme situations or scenarios, the person who is the healthiest out of the group is made to feel like they are the unhealthiest. Yeah, it's actually the, uh, sorry, finish your thought, then I will chime in. Well, I think the big thing there is people feel like they are, they're, there's something wrong with them. Perhaps their memory is incorrect. Maybe they're totally screwed up. When in reality, they're just in an environment where there's just a lot of gaslighting happening. It's actually very interesting you make it because if one person in a family unit or in a business unit just has a more self-awareness, he or she is likely to get a lot of shit from other people. 
part of it because they are more sensitive. They are more likely to see other people where they're coming from. And by doing that, they see a lot of ground. They often open themselves and they make them sort of vulnerable. And this is where it becomes and very tricky if you are a person who is very self-aware and the other person is not, then you are spinning around on a single wheel. The other wheel is locked. And that becomes even harder because if two people have no self-awareness, that it becomes an entirely different kind of a problem. But if if one person is very interested in maintaining that relationship, keeping the family functional, whether it's a business-related or a personal-related, uh, then the, the onus falls on the person who is more self-aware, who can see things from a different vantage point because of certain practices or whatever they, are, they have done, their learning processes, their parenting processes. So it becomes actually very difficult uh, for a person who is self-aware it, to be in, a, in an environment which is a lot more toxic and they end up actually soaking up a lot of shitty stuff. And that is even more harmful. Though it will see, because they are self-aware, they might be doing something to minimize or mitigate the impact of those things. But even to that person, it becomes almost like unsustainable thing uh, over the period of time. If other person is not willing to cut the slack or they are not willing to carry the weight, uh, that's why families mostly actually get into that part where one person is is carrying the cross, but the other person is not willing to see that I need to carry my weight so that the relationships can function both at a personal level and also at a business level. I tend to think the business relationships are no different than personal because whatever I have, if I have dysfunctions, I will bring that to business also because my needs and wants and my lack of awareness, my inability to see where people are coming from, that is going to have a huge uh, consequences on the way the business is run. And then it leads into wants and desires because we know that if I am, I think of myself better than you or anybody else in that equation, then you will also think that other people are not... Um, they should not be permitted to to have that kind of say in the decision making or even in the stakes in the property and all sort of things that go. Yeah, interesting. So uh, I'm just thinking of, um, you know, some situations that I've experienced personally myself, and this is just general, and how sometimes when you're in an environment where there's a lot of dysfunction and the dysfunction is normalized and what ends up happening, and in my particular situation, I started to do things that were against my values and not necessarily bad things, but just things that I would just like, this isn't part of my value system, but I would do them anyways, just to fit in, just to not be the odd person out. And then eventually it started to torment me because I was like, you know, this isn't who I am. This isn't aligned with my being, my, my spirit. And I had to make some hard decisions and draw some hard line boundaries to say, no, I'm going to value my values more than I am trying to be a part of this group. And I see a lot of people struggling with that because they become a person who is, they don't feel like they are themselves anymore, right? And then they have bigger challenges because now you have a feeling of being part of this dysfunctional environment and you don't feel like you're being yourself so it's almost like a combo effect. And I had this one situation, and I'm saying this very openly, Parmaji, because you and I have some very open conversations. And I'd and, um, I, I love for you to touch on that first element. 
But I even had gotten to the point in some situations where people um, have even made the comments, say, hey, Pradeep, you think you're so enlightened um, because you, you meditate and you do mindfulness and stuff. And it came as a result of me not wanting to talk gossip about people. And I had, and I had made comments in a number of situations say, Hey, look, you know, we're getting together and we're having a great time. Why do we need to bring this negativity into it? And then it turned into me being ousted because I think I'm so enlightened because I don't like to talk negatively, you know, negative about people. And it was a really interesting context because at the beginning I was thinking, okay, what did I do? What did I say? And then I said, oh no, I'm falling into that same trap. Right. And, and so what are your thoughts? What are your comments um, and your experience in, in situations like that where someone is not feeling like they are aligned with themselves anymore? It's actually, it's difficult. It's a one more variable to the process. You, you get a person who is not self-aware and you get all sort of things they do, and then you can you can argue for it against it. You can live with them without them, but then you get a person who also not self aware, but they also, you know, is this is one example of gaslighting that when you are trying to do something, but it is uh, it is being held against you. Mm-hmm. You are trying to stick to your value system and it's being held against because it challenges their value system. So one thing we need to understand is that we often, we like to be part of the, the crowd. Anytime we are not part of the crowd, uh, it makes us very, very unfamiliar and uncertain. And if you're doing something which is not part of the crowd behavior, if five people are gossiping and for, uh, and you are not, then those five people, interestingly, feel very insecure about the whole process. So they would like the fifth one to join so that they can complete the circle. It's uh, it's interesting how insecure means four people against one. That's how insecure that thing is, that you should not matter even if you're doing things, but it, but the four people who are not gossiping, they would actually, they will make it a point and whether verbally or non-verbally to point out that you are doing something which challenges their belief system. Mm-hmm. And that can be very difficult and a lot of relationships fall apart because pe- when they see you or the, when they see somebody who has a better handle on things, they don't want to be reminded of how shitty their stuff is. Mm-hmm. So they probably, they, they often stop talking to them. It's not that the other person has done anything. It's just a self-protective strategy of those people who wants to protect their, their false value system because somebody is, is reminding them of that their value system is actually false. Even though other person has not said a thing, they, each one of us, I, I, this is my belief that each one of us knows our bullshit but we are oftenly not very brave to admit it. Mm-hmm. Even the person who is gossiping knows that it does not serve any value. It actually adds to the negativity and toxicity of the workplace or home environment. But they continue to do it because they don't have the guts to admit to it. And first, and the second is by admitting, they would have to admit to that they have been following a strategy which is not very useful for them. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, nobody wants to go that road. We, I don't think most of us are very brave enough to actually take that, pick that gauntlet and say that, you know, I have been on the wrong path and I would like to actually admit to that. And by doing that, a lot of problems will get solved. But our own ego comes in that I need to protect the false value system. And that has a very 
negative downstream impact, both on a personal relationship as well as in a business environment. Because, you know, if your business partner, you are not able to get along, that they don't see uh, you as a kind of a valuable partner, then it becomes very difficult to run a business. And then our wants and desire come in because that's also another part of it. In business environment, our wants and desires gets the better of us. It, they hyperinflate because we are not connected to ourselves. Mm, interesting. And ha- have you ever seen the so the show Succession? No, I haven't. I, I think it's a great show out there. My wife and I binge watched that, and it was uh it was amazing because it was all about family. It's a particular family business or family who's in business, um, and it's based on some real characters. But it was so fascinating because it's all about dysfunction in a family. And I think there's a lot of truth to it. And I, and I was watching it because I, I like the business elements of it, but also the family aspect of it. But it is so, how am I going to say, representative of how many family businesses are operated in terms of dysfunction. People continue to go on and go on and go on. And then eventually what happens is the family may lose the business. Um, but I want to talk about a particular element here is the amount of bravery you touched on and energy that is required to break out of it, right? Break out of those patterns. And for me, I like to think in analogies. I think of it as an analogy to break out of the Earth's atmosphere. It requires a lot of energy to break out, but once you're out, you're out, right? You're out, yep. And that's the thing that I see a lot of people challenged with because they've typically been beat down to the point where they no longer have a lot of energy. And so, so how does a person get out of that or get, get to the point of having that bravery or the energy to be able to extract themselves out? One of the funny things about the value system, especially the false value system, is that it does not have any gravitas. Uh, you can have the most shining false value system. It doesn't provide you any kind of gravitas. And actually, that's the, in fact, very interesting part of it, that that's why people don't feel brave enough to admit to their fault, because there's no gravitas. The value system is false. It's an egotistically generated one. Um, However, if the value system is very well aligned with you as a person, that provides you automatical gravitational field. Mm. You are, you're, you're now, you have a gravitas to it. Uh, And because you have it, you Nothing threatens you anymore. So you're okay to admit to your fault. You're okay to say, own up things. You're okay to be uh, to be uh, called out or you're okay to be to be on the wrong foot or to be caught on the wrong foot. Because by doing that, you it does not call into question your sense of being. So this, this is one thing. This is something me as a person and this is something I do as a person. Mm-hmm. Oftenly, people are caught up in the second part. People are oftenly create a lot of their value system around the things they do. And the doing can give you some, some kind of gravitas, but it is not as to the extent you get if you are rooted into your being. Mm-hmm. So if you, are, if you are into your being, then you know that there's a somebody who is person and that the person does a lot of things. Person who does business, person does a family, person does relationship. So they don't make it kind of a, they don't confuse these two things. Doing and being are two different things. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people lose their way 
because they're so caught up in doing. And then they build up their whole identity structure around this doing. It's like building up your own CV. And your CV can be the most impressive, and that's your interface with other people. But you may feel shitty about yourself. You may not actually have any value for the way you feel. So other people will see you through the CV, but you don't feel the same way. And that does not give you any gravitas. And I think that goes back to the very thing, like if you are a very spiritually oriented person, you are more inclined to to connect to your person, uh, to your being as a person. And then you make a distinction every day that I am a person who does so many things. I don't need to get caught up in doing. And in doing, sometimes you can be successful, sometimes you can be failure. But it does not impact your value system or sense of self too much. Means it may, if you feel, uh, if you have done well, you may feel it's kind of fleeting sense of happiness, but you will realize that that's actually not, it's going to come and go. And if you fail, then again, the, the sense of failure would register uh, for a little while. And then you will go back to your sense of self because it's not very much dependent upon who you are as a person. And I think that's, uh, I tend to think that's one of the reasons why people are not brave enough. It's not that they don't have bravery. It's because they are uh, barking up the wrong tree. And that is not going to do much things. It means I can be I can be anchored to all the things I've done in, outside in the world, but it doesn't it does not bring you that much kind of a gravitas, mm-hmm. the one it gives you when you are you know who you are as a person, or at least you know that what kind of dysfunctions you have, what kind of BS you engage in, and we all do that. Let me say this: I tend to think that we. We created noble structures around our mind. We all think that we are Buddhas and Jesus and all those kind of things. We all think we are great. But I think it's truth be told, we all have all those dark spots and BS. We we try to deflect, we try to disengage, we try to do all sort of things. And I think it goes back to the whole thing that if once we become more connected to ourselves, also our dysfunctionalism, it actually gives you Gravitas, I mean, the interesting part is that if you know your dysfunction, you're more likely to come out of your dysfunction than if you know, but you don't want to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that and then the third part is you have dysfunction, but you don't want to acknowledge. That's a third degree separation. Hmm. So there's a, there's a couple of things that I took out of that. One is to create the energy and to create the momentum, start aligning with your own internal values, and, th- and that'll help you get some energy to be able to move in the right direction um, because it's not going to happen overnight. But as you start being more aligned, then you'll actually eventually get through. The second is, and, it, and it's kind of like an old, old, uh, you could say philosophy as well. The be, do, have element where a lot of people focused, and I've experienced this throughout my life. And I questioned it for a while because a lot of my colleagues and my friends and my peers throughout school were focusing more on the doing and the having. And it was around in my 30s where I kind of questioned myself because a lot of them had more stuff. Um, And I focused more on the being and the doing. Not that I was just focusing on being. I was doing a lot of doing too, but more on the being element. And I felt like I was a failure partway through my 30s, even though I was doing a lot of great things. Um, And it's because I didn't have the stuff that I particularly wanted. And then I had to reflect on myself because when I started to do more work and then working with other individuals, I realized that, wow, 
you know, they were, they were more trying to get into the being state. And so, because I, and for, for a number of years, I felt like I had gotten it all wrong, that I was focusing too much on the being. But then I realized as I matured that that was the right strategy, that focusing on the being and then the doing, eventually I would have the things. And even if I didn't have the things, I still would feel great, right? Yeah, it's very interesting paradox because if you look at historical evidence and scientific evidence, you notice that things brings you only so much. They can bring you some peace, some security, but beyond certain point means you get normalized. You can, uh, it, it does not add value to our life to the extent we think. That's the mirage and it's have to perception about it. But being is something which you can have nothing and still be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Means the worst part is that you have everything and you feel you have nothing. Mm-hmm. Tell you a very, very interesting incident, actually. When I came to Canada long back, and I went to a radio show at that point, and after, uh, to, long, to cut the long story short, they left my telephone number uh, on, the, and, uh, on the show. And in the evening, a lady from Brampton called me, and I don't know how old she was. She, she, and this is something that stuck with me after, that's around 30 years back. Maybe, no, not 30, it's 98, 99. So you can count it's around 25 years. That has, that's those words have been stuck in my mind. And she said that, you know, I have everything, but I feel have nothing. And then she went on cataloging the lists of all the things I have, which are all material things. And I told her, you already answered your question. You didn't need to call me. You already know that whatever you have been engaged in and invested in, have not uh, given you what you are looking for. So you probably have to look at somewhere else. And I think that those words have been singed into my mind because they are representative of the majority of people how they invest. A lot of people invest in doing things and that gives them a short-term pleasures and short-term satisfactions. Means it's, it cannot be, it should not be said that those things don't give anything. I think we can be useful. It can be useful if you think that certain things can give us you short-term uh, values and long-term harm. And I think this is one of the things where we invest too much in doing uh, and invest very little in being. Being is where you will have uh, a kind of a short-term downside because you're not engaged in the things everybody, and you will feel you have fallen behind another. But it has a long-term upside that you are the one who is going to emerge from the water when everybody is drowning uh, in the stuff. Mm-hmm. And the reverse is true. The people who are actually doing, focusing on the doing, they'd experience the short-term upside to doing. And then they are at the same time doing the long-term harm and they will not know what to do with the stuff because whatever they did, collected has does not provide them the value they thought they would. Mm-hmm. And that reinforced the dis- dysfunctions and I think it brings us to the main point that whole idea of whether it you are, we are engaged in business or um, or in personal life, we should focus very repeatedly on being so that our doings can be better. I'm not saying that you should not do things. I would say let your doing come from a very clear sense of being. Mm-hmm. And then you will be aligned, as you said, with the value system. And that will give you gravitas. Because there's no disharmony, there's no disconnection. 
everything is aligned. And when everything is aligned, you are okay with whatever, with your own dysfunctions. Hmm. Great. I think that's a brilliant way to kind of bring it all together and summarize it. So for those individuals who want to know more about your work, Parmji, to reach out to you directly, where can they, where can they find you? So I have a fully functioning website. You can uh, check out paramjisingh.com. Um, I'm on Instagram. I don't post any videos. It's just I post uh, a kind of one question each day. It's a question which I think we should ask because it does allow us to become curious. And I would invite you, all of you listeners and viewers, is that see if you can invest in being so that your doings can be better. Sometimes we do the reverse and it has its own unintended side effects. Whatever you want to do, whether you are religious, not religious, whether you want to do meditate or not, I would invite you to find a way so that you can be with yourself so that the dysfunctions we have become clear and and dysfunctions seen with clarity is actually a lot better than dysfunction disregarded. Because if I meet you considering that I'm dysfunctional, I am more authentic. I can generate a very genuine relationship with you because I am not BSing around it. So whatever you do, whether you're a businessman, woman, whether you're a housewife or not, um, entrepreneur, uh, I would invite you and I'll leave you with a question. What do you do to become? What do you do to be? Because you all know what do you do to do. So my question is, what do you do to be? Uh, I think that's a powerful question, Paramjit. So I want to thank you again for joining us. And I can't wait to have you on again. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to Family Business with Pradeep Sangha. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, like, and share this episode with your network. 